Welcome to the Life Atelier podcast. I'm your host, Emma Lavelle, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about self-sabotage, self-care, and the idea of superficial versus deep self-care, and why I think the superficial self-care is actually just as important as the deeper self-care. So this morning, I woke up before my alarm for the first time in years, literally years. I woke up at about, it must have been about 10 to 7, and I could hear, I was really confused because I could hear like enormous chorus, this chorus of bird song, like, and I actually have um, an alarm clock that's like, I don't know, it, it makes like the sun, it's like wakes you up with sunlight and bird song. I had to stop using it because um, I would wake up and just slam it off and go back to sleep. So it wasn't wasn't particularly useful. But one of the ways it woke you up was with um, either ocean sounds or bird song. And it was very beautiful, but <laughs> it didn't do the job for me. But it was real bird song. And yeah, if you've seen any of my Instagram videos outside, you'll know how loud they are. And I couldn't quite believe that I'd woken up without my alarm clock because I think I'd given up thinking it was possible. I think I thought it was something that was going to happen when I retired. Um, it just wasn't going to, I just couldn't manage my sleep. And and it was really interesting. So after I woke up, I grabbed my journal and I've, for the last two weeks or three weeks, I've been journaling in the morning. And I wrote in my journal, woke up this morning before my alarm, wow. <laughs> and then I continued to do my journaling exercises and and then I took Rita for a walk outside. And as I was walking Rita, I suddenly got this desperate feeling for a coffee. And what I thought to myself was, I'm gonna have a coffee because I gave up coffee two weeks ago. So today is March the 10th and the day that Ukraine was invaded, I realized that if I was drinking coffee and not sleeping properly, I wasn't going to be very useful for my students over the next few weeks and months because <laughs> uh, I was getting a little anxious and a little panicky and that's not what you need in a coach. So I decided to give up coffee um, two weeks ago and I haven't even thought about coffee. I've had this like pretend... Uh, chicory thing that yeah it's all right it's quite nice um and this morning I woke up for the first time before my alarm probably because I've been sleeping properly and I haven't been drinking coffee and immediately I wanted caffeine and I just thought god that's fascinating because it just shows how our self-sabotage these self-sabotaging behaviours that we think we've got a hold on, we think we've managed them, and then pop, it comes up again from another place. So I'll stop talking about sleep in a moment, but <laughs> there are three things I think that have contributed to me sleeping well. The first is giving up caffeine. The second is I stopped setting my alarm before 7am. And there've been one or two blips where I've had a kind of panicky, oh, I've got work to do, I've got work to do, I need to wake up at six. But generally, I haven't bothered setting my alarm before seven. And I clarified that that was the best time for me after doing the chronotype test. And I think I put a link to it in a previous episode, but I'll put a link today. 
um, that's recommended by Matthew Walker. And that says that my perfect sleep time is 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And the third thing is I decided, I decided that there was no greater priority for me than getting eight hours of sleep a night. So those three things have meant that this morning I woke up before my alarm, which is pretty amazing. And how this is linked to self-sabotage and self-care? Well, first of all, I want to talk a little bit about values and and what it actually looks like when we're living them. There's a really interesting book. I haven't finished it, but I'm working through it at the moment, which is called The Values Factor, I think. And I can't remember who it's by, but I'll put a link to it in the notes for this episode. But I did have, as one of my values, self-care. And really, when I do, you know, we say do the work, but when I'm doing the work of investigating why I'm behaving the way I'm behaving, I can see that actually self-care, putting that as a value is reactive because I need self-care, but it's not a value of mine. In fact, my self-care is something that I, I, I really, (laughs) I've got this image of like trying to put a cat in a cat box and taking it to the vet. And that's, that's probably represents where self-care is in my life. I am very lucky that I haven't had to practice self-care because I'm healthy, uh, (laughs) knock on wood, um, knock on wood, I've always been very healthy despite doing terrible things to my body, you know, I I was very much a party girl for a very long time and I wouldn't eat properly, you know, that's the first thing to go is my sleep, my diet, um, not letting my brain process things, not letting my brain rest. So self-care is something that I, I, yeah, it's like getting the cat in a box that doesn't want to go in the box. But when I looked at my values and I worked through the exercises in this book, they're actually design, culture, freedom, and influence. So now when I think about how self-care features in living this value of freedom, I can see it's an essential tool. Because frankly, when I'm not looking after myself and when I don't build self-care into my routines, I'm not very free, I'm panicky. You know, and that word panicky keeps coming up a lot, but it's true, I start to make reactive decisions, I start to feel trapped, I start to be very defensive or I lash out at the people around me. (laughs) or I make sure there are no people around me because I decide I'm doing stuff by myself. And that's not very free. We can can all see that. So by realigning, by investigating what my values are and then looking at, okay, what do I need to do in my day to make those values a part of my life, a part of how I live? It gives me very different action steps, which of course gives different results. So Something I've built in is having pauses. And it's not just about having a pause. I've spoken before about, you know, I'm not quite sure where I'm going to live in a couple of months. Part of me thinks Spain. Part of me thinks, okay, I'll do a few months in Italy, a few months in Portugal, a few months in the south of France, and I'll I'll try out different places first. But ultimately, I don't have to commit because I said I wasn't going to decide for three months. I think when you have a big life change, 
it's really good to give yourself a three-month pause before taking big decisions. But in smaller ways, I can design pauses. So what I do now is I know that as the day continues, I start to speed up and I start to add more and more things to my <laughs> to-do list. I've tried different strategies of uh, using a very small piece of paper. So when... <laughs> when the paper's full. I can't add more things to it. Obviously that didn't work because it just meant that I had to-do lists in different places. But instead, what I do is I design this pause. So before I add something to my to-do list, I just take a breath and I think to myself, okay, does this need to go on today's list given that I only let myself have one focus a day? Does it actually need to be done or can it go onto a master list that I don't look at until I've got space? Now, your personality might be the opposite to mine. You might, rather than being someone that takes decisions in a way that's masking avoidance and goes faster and faster to avoid facing and taking difficult decisions, you might be someone that spends a lot of time deliberating and your mask, your guise, is that you believe you're being logical and sensible, but actually you're still avoiding taking decisions, you're avoiding things. And so you might need to practice, okay, I count to three and I take a decision and that's it. Anytime that you catch yourself hesitating. So with these practices, it's really important that you know yourself and you design a, a small, easy to implement strategy that, that you can use that works for your personality. So I said I was going to talk about self-care and whether it's superficial or deeper work. And on Monday, I went to the hairdressers and going to the hairdressers, getting a haircut has been on my to-do list for months. In fact, I realised once I was in the hairdressers, it had been eight or nine months since I had a haircut. And I actually avoided going to the hairdressers because <laughs> I really hate being told off. And because I had a fringe, I generally, so there's two reasons I avoided going. The first was, I really hate that conversation where the hairdresser says, did you cut your fringe yourself? Why did you cut your fringe yourself? And I have to say, yes, yes I did, yes, sorry, sorry, yeah, it's bad, yeah, I'm not a hairdresser. And this little loop has been happening since I was about four years old, when my mum used to cut my fringe and kids at school would laugh at me. Mum, I love you very much if you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> you know that. But this kind of loop had started and I realised that there is a bigger thing happening here, which is the second thing, is that something in me sees self-care, going to the hairdressers, looking after myself and my, my look as superficial. And, and there's a reason for that. So the time that I spent the most or invested the most time in looking after how I, I appeared, how I, uh, <laughs> see, I can't even find the words to talk about it. How do you talk about how you look? Aesthetics, my personal appearance, was when I was living in Manchester and I was deeply, deeply unhappy. But my God, I had eyelash extensions. I, I was fake tanned. 
not a lot, but a little, I had perfect highlighted hair. I would get my highlights done, my blonde highlights, every six weeks. I was groomed and manicured like a show pony, and I was miserable, and I wasn't looking after myself, and I was drinking too much, and I chain-smoked, and I was really, really very unhappy. And so, as I became, in the last 10 years, happier and happier, it's almost like I saw this idea of looking after myself in how I physically looked as superficial and connected to the unhappiness. And when I was in the hairdressers and she cut my hair, I just, first of all, she didn't tell me off at all. She didn't say anything about me having insanely long hair that was very, uh, quite tangled, let's be honest. She was just lovely. I showed her the picture of a bob and she just said, ooh, um, and all this was in French, of course, so she was very patient with me doing this in French, but she just said to me, ah, oh, it's going to feel lighter. And, and it did feel lighter. And I realized as I was having my hair washed, I just thought, why don't I do this? Why don't I make time for myself for these things that I see as superficial? Going to a cafe to read a magazine. When I do that, I get inspired. And when I get inspired, I have influence and it links back to my values. I love design. Design makes me feel energized. And design is part of how I look after my clients, look after my students. It's how I create more interesting things for them. And another value of mine used to be beauty because I thought that having beautiful surroundings meant that I was more inspired. But again, that value, it didn't really link to something tangible because beauty, well, it's not really. I love really ugly things sometimes and it's about design. So changing those values has enabled me to do what we might think of as superficial self-care. But I would say it has to be partnered with the deeper work. And for me, that was identifying that when I see self-care as superficial, I'm not allowing myself to carry out the action steps that mean I'm living a life of freedom, of design, of influence, and culture as well. And this idea that things are superficial I'll just give you another example of that. So superficial, it's not just about, you know, I'm talking about, you know, getting your nails done, getting a haircut, but superficial can also mean when you're not doing something and you're fully invested. So that could be if you have made a commitment to yourself to go for a walk in nature, but instead you're on your phone the whole time or you're calling somebody so that you're making, <laughs> you know, you're not actually connecting with yourself and with space and with alone time. And I think that's really important. So I would encourage you to have a look at, you know, if you've put self-care activities into your schedule and into your daily life, but you're not doing them in a deep way and you're just looking at them as something you have to do, just investigate. Can you make them deeper? And is there another layer to these self-care actions that you're taking? We can also see, you know, the example that I gave you about me suddenly wanting coffee when actually not drinking caffeine has been amazing for me. And, and looking at why this happens. So self-sabotage, there's a great book from Emma Gannon 
And she talks about it as a tendency to put barriers in the way of our progression and our happiness. And that is absolutely true. The book is very short, it's very small, and it's very beautiful. So I definitely recommend buying it if it's uh, an area that you're interested in. But for today, I just also like you to think about this idea that self-sabotage happens when we think we don't deserve something or we've got our kind of thermostats. You know, Gay Hendricks talks about this in The Big Leap, this this internal thermostat that we have of what we're allowed or what's what's acceptable for people like us or someone like me. You know, and actually when we step out by removing the action that would have resulted in self-sabotage by clearing that, by clearing the belief that leads to that, we can turn up the thermostat and we can allow ourselves to have what it is that we actually want to have. And so this week, as well as looking at how you treat yourself and whether you are allowing self-sabotage to interrupt a path that would be leading you to a really amazing place, instead have a look at that and see what's happening. If this is something that you realise, okay, this is coming from culture or it's coming from things that I saw as a kid, I absolutely, I urge you, I've never said that before, but I urge you to read Untamed by Glennon Doyle because the stories she tells, the examples she gives in that book, they will snap you into breaking the behaviour, the self-sabotage. And it's really a fantastic book. And again, it's something you can dip into and dip out of. So as always, if you want any accountability, email me back if you've got this podcast by email or connect with me, send me a message in the Atelier community. It's free to join. You can join on my website um, or you can send me a message on Instagram and I'll send you a link to join as well and have a lovely week.